My dog. Can't do nothing with him. Give me my bird. They're in the shallow waters where they're at, Wilson. Watch that pole. Watch that pole. From the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains and broadcasting from their studios in the South Mountains of North Carolina, this is Carolina Outdoor Magazine Radio, where you can experience each week outdoor adventures with special guests and pro staff members. Whether it be hunting, fishing, or camping, or anything to do with the great outdoors, we'll have a topic to interest you. And now... Your host of Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV and Radio, Jim Carr. Well, hello out there, everyone, and welcome to our first weekly broadcast of Carolina Outdoor Magazine Radio. I'm going to be your host, Jim Carr, for the next half hour of the broadcast, and I'm going to try to make this and every show as informative and enjoyable as I possibly can. Our sponsors this half hour on the show going to be the fine folks at Amber Technology, who carry many mineral and supplement vitamins for your pet and your uh, your different animals that you may have around your house or um, on your hunting preserve, dogs you may hunt with. Uh, folks, they also carry uh, a lot of medicines that will help in treating in a lot of dog sicknesses such as worms and, and heart disease. And also for the uh, the deadly uh, parvovirus uh, that can strike so many uh, different dogs and animals in an instant. So give these folks a call. Check them out at ambertechnologies.com. And we'd also like to thank the fine folks at Carolina Outdoor Hunting and Fishing Supply. Located in Pleasant Grove, North Carolina. And they're the makers of quality crafted game calls, deer scent, cover scent, and fishing supplies. You can check them out at carolinaoutdoorstore.com or go to eBay at Carolina Outdoor Store and you can find their products there. Okay, now for this week's show, I thought what we would do is for those of you not familiar with our programming, is to introduce you to some of the folks we have had on Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV over the past several years and to some of the folks that we'll be having in the upcoming shows. I think this will be a way to kind of give you a feel for what we are going to be doing and what you can expect from on our upcoming shows. Now, a short while back, I had the chance to hunt with a gentleman from Birmingham, Alabama, at Sweet Time Hunting Preserve, which is in Heflin, Alabama. Myself and co-host of Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV, David Toller, uh, and I had a chance to hunt with one of the finest race car drivers that ever hit the dirt track. And a lot of you younger generation folks out there may not know this race car legend, but if you ever have the chance to meet him, you should. Now, folks, I'm talking about Mr. Red Farmer. And, folks, to be around this man 
was really something, and to listen to the history of NASCAR was something else. We hunted, filmed, and hung around with with Red and his sidekick, Mark Brenner, uh, for a few days, who at that time, Mark, uh, was an ARCA driver, and since then he has moved up into the NASCAR circuit. And it was like going back in time, folks, you know, to hear about uh, the adventures of Red, you know, racing uh, on these dirt tracks. You know, the asphalt track was unheard of back then. And, you know, Red started out with a lot of these younger guys like Bobby Allison and, and Kaylee Arborough. And, um, you know, these, this is the group of people that he used to hang around with back in the day, uh, the early day of NASCAR racing when it was uh, just getting started. Um, <clears throat> on the second day of our hunt, I had a chance to sit down with Red and be able to talk to him a little bit about his race car adventures and the, um, you know, what it was like to race back in the day. And um, this is what he had to say. Red, it's been a lot of fun having you down here today. Just wanted to ask you a few questions. I'm a pretty big NASCAR fan. You said a while ago you've been racing for 52 years. And uh, you started out on dirt? Yeah, actually I did. I, the track I actually started out on was half dirt and half asphalt. Uh, we started in Opelika, Florida in 1948 on the Nola Bannon uh, Airport, and uh, we ran down the straightaways, uh, the old runways at the uh, Opelika Air Base, and then we turned through the, go over the other straightaway on dirt, hit the other straightaway and come back and turn dirt until we made our own little racetrack out there. Uh, who all was we? Who were some of those folks you racing with back then? Well, the only one that probably would, uh, people would really recognize the name of, but this was not back in there, was... Uh, a great driver and good friend of mine, Ralph Moody, from Holman and Moody Enterprises mm -hmm. from Ford. He came down there in the old red number X car, and he cleaned our fanny for quite a while down there because he was a chassis expert where we really didn't know what we was doing, <laughs> to be honest with you, back in those days. And, uh, of course, back in, we had Banjo Matthews. That's where Banjo Matthews came from, from down in Miami, Florida. We used to race with him at Hollywood Speedway and Hialeah, stuff like that, through the early 50s and stuff. Then uh, I moved up to in the NASCAR in 1953 and ran a Hudson on the beach in the sand when we ran on that big five-mile track where we ran down the, that's actually halfway too. We ran down the beach two miles on the sand, turned through the turn, and then come back OA1A highway on asphalt to the other turn and went back on the beach again. So it was actually half and half too. So Kind of hard like, getting the setup back yeah, then for that, wasn't it? set up on that stuff. Uh, how long ago did you start running with the Alabama gang? Well, uh, Bobby and Donnie and myself uh, started the Alabama gang back in the early 60s when we was racing together. We used to live together. We traveled together and helped each other. All kept our cars in the same place and stuff. And uh, we was pretty dominant back in the early 60s. And uh, everywhere we went, uh, usually we would qualify first, second, and third a lot of places. And we would run one, two, three. Usually one of us would win the races. Donnie kept a record of it. I don't remember what year in the 60s it was. We ran 106 races and won 86 of them between the three of us. It's not a bad average. So uh, and they, that's where we got the thing started. We uh, won a big race in Nashville. The next week we went to Bristol, Tennessee, uh, that same track they're running now, and uh, qualified one, two, three in the Bristol 400. I won the race, and Bobby ran second. The next week we went to North Wilkesboro. And uh, it was a 200-lapper, and we ran one, two, three at North Wilkesboro. Then the next track we go to, they said they'd see the three of us. We always travel together, and we come in bumper to bumper, towing the cars. 
And they said, here comes that Alabama gang again. <laughs> That's actually how it got started because yeah. we traveled together and we ran together. And they said, here comes that damn Alabama gang again. <laughs> so... That's the way it got started back in the 60s with uh, Bobby and Dottie, myself, and then this Neil come on and started doing pretty good. You know, we kind of added him to the Alabama gang, and then, uh, of course, Davey come along and started really being a great driver. We added him to it, and we was hoping that, you know, we was going to put Clifford in it, too. He was yeah. really coming on his own at the time, but uh, Bobby, Donnie, and myself was the original Alabama gang back in the 60s and 70s that we ran that thing. It, uh, it's been one of my closest friends. We all come from Miami. In fact, a lot of people didn't know it. Bobby... Bobby worked for me for before he ever started driving. We built a little uh, 265 Chevrolet back in 56, I think it was, and I, I was a Ford man. We had a, the old Y2 blocks and didn't know anything about a Chevrolet, and we had trouble trying to figure out how to put it together. Went and got Bobby. He was drag racing at the time, had a little 56 Chevrolet. He was running a drag strip, went in his Pop Allison shop was only about a mile from us down there, and Went down, I got Bobby, said, come up here and show us how to get the camshaft to stay in the motor. And they said, the other and Bobby come up and helped us build the motor. And I won nine of the first 11 races that I ran that car. And then Bobby was kind of helping me along that. You know, he saw I was having all the fun that he decided he wanted to become a driver. <laughs> so he started driving, uh, you know, about a year later. So, like I said, he was about 15 years old. So we've been friends for quite a few years. It's a long time. Yeah. You still driving now, ain't you? Oh yeah, I'm still running the, the dirt track now. I don't do it for a living. I do it now just because I enjoy it and have a lot of fun doing it. I run over Talladega short track usually, and sometimes Columbus and Woodstock, Georgia, and different places. Probably within a 200 mile radius of Birmingham, but basically I stay at Talladega most of the track when I'm not working on the ARCA circuit as a crew chief, a consultant for uh, Brian uh, Ross. How how long ago and and how did you come to to meet Brian here? Mark. Mark. Oh, I met him a couple years oh, ago at Daytona. He was down there. Struggling trying to make the show and, and uh, met him down through that and try to help him out a little bit on that stuff. And then we ran with him this year in the, the car I had uh, down there. We had a flat tire. We finished 19th and Mark finished 21st in the Daytona in the 300 down there in the ARCA race at Daytona in February this year. So he's coming along pretty good. He's going to try to run, I think, eight or ten races this year, aren't you? Yes, sir. Mark? Yeah. Yes, sir. All the speedways. Yeah. So. Well, you ready to go out and try to shoot some more birds? He's doing pretty good while I got Well, as long as you shoot right-handed birds. I can't shoot those left-handed birds. <laughs> when I shoot with you, they all fly your direction for some reason. I think you got some kind of attraction on these. Quail charm. Yeah, quail charm. That's what it is. Well, let's go out there and watch some more dogs and, and uh, beat this rain a little bit. Okay. Maybe we can beat this weather. What do you say, Mark? Sounds great to me. Let's go. All right, folks, stick around. There's a lot more ahead from Keith McDill of Sweet Time Hunting Preserve. Keith's going to talk to us a little bit about his dogs and his hunting property here in Heflin, Alabama. And also we'll be hearing from then upcoming ARCA driver Mark Brenner. Uh, so stick around. There's much more head to come. We'll be right back. This portion of Carolina Outdoor Magazine Radio is brought to you by Buckbuster Sense, Sense for the Serious Hunter, by Linex of Charlotte and Kannapolis, South Park Medical Clinic, and also by Wilson Creek Outfitters. Hello folks, Jim here from Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV. Folks, are you excited and passionate about the great outdoors like I am? Then get involved with Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV and radio. 
You can watch our video uploads on YouTube at The Outdoor Sportsman or like us on Facebook at Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV and get on on all the action. So if you're a diehard outdoorsman or maybe you would like to let folks know about a product or event that you might be going to have, then let us know. You can reach us through our website at carolinaoutdoormagazine.com or give us a call at 828-919-6934. So what are you waiting for? Okay, folks, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Carolina Outdoor Magazine Radio. Before we get back to our interview and show with NASCAR legend Red Farmer and ARCA driver Mark Brenner, I want to take a second to let you know what's happening on Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV this coming month. I'm going to be traveling to South Carolina for a hog hunt about mid-February. So you'll want to watch for that show. should be an exciting one. I haven't decided yet whether to shoot a hog with a, with my bow, black powder, or my rifle. So if you'd like to uh, weigh in on that, you can Twitter us at Outdoor Sportsman on Twitter. Or you can go to our Facebook page at Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV and let us know what you think. We'll also be having plenty of quail hunting this season. On our shows with um, plenty of celebrities uh, going to be joining us this year, this spring. And let's not forget that fishing season is just around the corner. Got striper uh, striper season coming up and the crappie season's coming up. And, uh, you know, I, I love to catfish and I just can't wait for that and get well, get the warmer weather here and get the, the blood flowing. So uh, check us out uh, on our television show. And be sure to go to our website at Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV and let us know what you think. Give us some input. Let us know what you'd like to uh, see on television. Let us know what like what you'd like to hear on the radio. In case you're wondering where to watch Carolina Outdoor Magazine TV, our show segments are available on our website. You can also watch us on YouTube at The Outdoor Sportsman. Be sure to subscribe and uh, you'll be able to get all of our shows as we upload them to YouTube. We're on um, the Wild TV Network and Cocked Cable and a variety of other stations. So be sure to check your local listings for more about that. Okay, when we left off, we had just heard from, uh, had an interview with Red Farmer. And now Mark Brenner, who used to be an Arker driver, um, is now uh, on the bush circuit and is going to weigh in on his career and where he expects to be next. Well, Mark, it's been a lot of fun. I wanted to ask you a few questions. I know you're running Arca. How long have you been racing? I've been racing since 92. Um, I've actually been driving since uh, 96. I uh, got started uh, locally in Alabama and the, running the short tracks in the uh, Allison Legacy Series. Ran those for uh, two years, and then in 98, had the opportunity to uh, team up with Mark Gibson and CSG Racing out of Winder, Georgia, which has currently moved to uh, Charlotte, and now it's Cunningham Motorsports. And, uh, you know, one thing, we got, you know, started, you know, kind of late in my life. I was, I was 20 when I started, 21 when I started driving. And just had a lot of luck, had a lot of support, and uh, had a lot of 
opportunities that come about our way, and we just try to take advantage of them to our fullest ability. How are you standing in ARCA right now? Oh, um, we're, st- we're doing real good. Actually, we just got finished running Daytona in February, and uh, being that we're running a uh, limited schedule this year, just trying to re- rebuild the team and, and regroup and get things back together. We're going to run the 10 speedway races this year, so we're lo- really looking forward to, you know, getting over to Charlotte, um, run over there a couple times, and it's always been a good track for us, so we're really, really excited about going back to Charlotte and seeing what we can do there. Well, I think I'd like to join you in Charlotte. I'd love for you to join us. I really would. I think it's something that everyone needs to experience at least once in their life, and, you know, uh, getting up close and personal and getting behind the scenes of, of what goes on and especially this this form of racing is is really an experience in its own. Folks, this this weekend or this week we've been out here hunting turkeys and we had torrential downpours, heavy winds. Uh, we saw one bird at 400 yards, and then today it broke off windy and and uh, we hadn't seen any birds at all today. And it's been a little bit of a tough hunt. We're hunting at Sweet Time Hunting Preserve in Heflin, Alabama. Uh, Mark Brenner, race car driver. It's been it's been a lot of fun. We're going to go shoot some quail here in just a little bit. He's got to go his way. i got to go mine. And we're going to meet back up, hopefully, between now and when you do go to Charlotte and do shoot some turkeys. But uh, until then, Mark. I want to thank you personally and everyone at Handy Brace. Uh, I want to thank everyone here at Sweet Time Preserves, Honey Preserves. Uh, great hospitality, great dogs, great facilities. And uh, a lot of game out here to hunt and pursue and have a good time enjoying doing it. Been a, it's been a pleasure. You're welcome. And I really have enjoyed it and looking forward to the next experience with you guys. Okay, folks. Well, Mark Brenner uh, started off in the ARCA circuit back uh, 2009. And he, from there, worked up and worked his way up to the Bush circuit and races in a lot of the, uh, the bigger tracks now in Charlotte and uh, Talladega and places like that. So if you ever go to a race and you see Mark, uh, you hear about him, you get a chance to meet him, please do, and tell him you heard about him on uh, on our show. Next up, folks, uh, we're going to have an interview here with Keith McDill, who's the owner of Sweet Time Hunting Preserve in Heflin, Alabama. And Heflin uh, and Sweet Time Hunting Preserve is just a short drive from Birmingham uh, and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, folks, Keith has about, uh, 1,000 to 1,200 acres here at, uh, Heflin, Alabama. And it's a real beautiful preserve. It's kind of like being in the foothills of North Carolina. You got some flat land. You got some mountains. Uh, he's got real nice deer on the property. He does have turkey hunting on the property. And he has a real fine quail, uh, chuckering pheasant, uh, hunting area. So, and Keith's dogs are some of the best I've ever hunted with. Give Keith a call, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy hunting uh, there in Heflin. Before we went on our afternoon hunt, Mr. Palmer and Mark Brenner, David and I was able to sit down and talk to Keith about Sweet Time Hunting Preserve in a live interview. Uh, actually, it was right in the field where we did most of the interview with Keith. Um, so you'll hear some dogs in the background, and you'll hear a lot of stuff going on. But um, that's the way it is when you're out filming, and and, um, you know, you get a chance to, to do an interview with somebody, and you do it, and this is an opportunity for us to uh, let Keith introduce himself and tell you about his place and his dogs and, um, you know, just to try to stir up some interest in his place down there. We did uh, get a chance to talk to Keith a little bit, and both David and I interviewed him, and 
he told us about his passion with his dogs and and how he loved to um you know to do what he's doing right now let's just listen to keith here and uh see what he has to say about his passion uh of birds and dogs tell us tell us a little bit about your hunt well we've got about 1200 acres here on the preserve it's all bordered along Tallapoosa river um I've raised and trained bird dogs all my life and uh, got a nice string of pointers here and uh, raised four or five litters a year. Uh, field trial with some of them, uh, and, but the hunting preserve business has pretty well kept me here on the weekend, so I don't get away and do much field trialing as, as I would like to. But, uh, about how many birds a year do you kill? Uh, we went through about 15,000 here this year on the preserve. I've been, this is my fourth season here, and we've grown in increments of three or 4,000 each year, so it's gone along. Good. I hear you have some pretty special dogs. I got some I think is special. Uh, everybody has their own good old blue in their memory there, but I've got half a dozen down here that earns their keep pretty regular. Well, before we go out on a hunt, you want to show us your kennels and show sure. us your dogs? Yeah, y'all come on down here. Well, let's go look at it. Y'all go ahead. This dog is uh, Huck. Champion Sweet Time Huck is his whole title. He's a two-time national shoot-to-retrieve champion, and uh, I got to do some close for Remington with him back about five years ago and uh just my wife and i went up to maryland remington farms and they wined and dined us and really made my wife appreciate my dogs a whole lot more in the process and uh now he's the daddy and granddaddy of most everything i raise here and he's been quite a dog he, he's, he's nine yes i bred him to that little orange female there eight times and i kept a little puppy out of each one of those litters and that's the bulk of my stock and that's what we're going to take today is uh some of their pups they range every six months. I've got another batch, all the way down to these little fellas, and they're their their last litter are these two fellas right here. And uh, they they're full of point right now. You can take them down there and put them on a bird, and they'll just hammer down on it like an old dog. Just bred into them. And you got to get their attention and get some focus on you. Teach them come here and whoa, and the rest sort of just falls into place. What kind of dogs are they? English pointers. Uh, a lot of old-timers call them lemon pointers, uh, that, and that is definitely their color. Um, I raise four or five litters of them a year. These dogs, these particular two, are brothers. Uh, they're not litter mates, but brothers. I've had several litters out of the same parents there and uh, been real consistent breeding, and I've stayed with it. And I really like what I got. It's good, close-working, hard-going, stylish foot dogs, hunting, foot hunting dogs. Now, how is it that you get them to, whenever they point, to have their tail straight up every time? They're, Nature puts it there. Uh, the intensity of their point and all will make it better, and they'll really uh, get more intense as they, you know, learn more about what they're doing and all. But it's really put there by their mother and daddy, and responsible breeding, really, as much as anything. You I haven't, you haven't coached them. No, not to a degree. I, uh, I will break them and teach them to come here, and you know, there's a list of things that has to be done to one to get a really a polished dog. But I know. Uh, Mother Nature put the tails where it is. Well, Mother Nature did a great job, and you've done a great job on managing your dogs. They're, they're beautiful you. to work. But I really believe that focus and getting some attention, making them, having them make some eye contact with you, and that kind of thing is a big start in the training. And then you, you get that part down, and you get in the field, the rest of it falls into place a lot easier. Whoa, stay up there. They sure do seem to be very well disciplined. <laughs> a little bit at a time, and they're tough, tough. Uh, they're... A big part of their training is just focus, and uh, I always put, I work dogs for other people, and uh, really before I do a lot in the field with them, I'll start them here around the yard and get some yard training and some manners down, and then when you get in the field, the rest of it's a lot easier. You don't have to chase them and holler at them quite so much. Jake, 
come here. What's fun to me is that they do have that athletic drive and, and the fire to just take them on out of the county, but yet I've got a handle on them and they'll yeah. focus on me and listen and it's, it's fun dogs. And I haven't, haven't beat it into them by any means. It's just yeah. been repetition and yeah. they all love me and just kind of a matter of being consistent and a little firm hand like a, like a good daddy ought to be to his children yeah. more or less. Yeah. All right. Keith, how many of these dogs are we going to hunt with today? We'll take uh, four or five of them down there with us and uh, run them in pairs. And then as we find, wind up, I may put down four or five just to see a string of them pointing and backing. What does the table serve? Well, I force break to retrieve. And initially, that's what I built it for. Get up there. You snap them up. Good boy. Snap them up here. Get them used to the table. Get them comfortable up here. Uh, just go through steps with a dowel. Fetch, hold, fetch, hold, repetitiously till you're laying it out here and they understand the concept, they'll go out and get it. You've got them in your control while they're up here snapped to the cable. If they jump off, they hang themselves and they're, you know, they don't hurt themselves, but they realize they don't want to do it again and set them back up there. So they're in, they're, you've got a handle on them up here in your face and on eye level with you. And uh, you just get them where they'll go the length of the table, get the dowel, hold, bring it back, give. And uh, once you get them that down pat, move them off to the ground, then move to frozen birds and then to wild birds, live birds in the field. It uh, all kind of falls into place. A force broke to retrieve dog, you can always go back and make them do it. If a dog is just natural instincts to retrieve is what you rely on, if they refuse to pick it up or to bring it all the way, there's no way you can correct them. So force broke. And then secondly, hook, hook, get you up here on this table. And uh, secondly, is just for this, and probably more so than anything, is just for manners and getting some focus. Oh, good boy. Keith, when we were out on the clay range, you, you really helped Mark Brenner, the race car driver. Would you explain a little bit on how you helped him? I saw Mark was several, was a foot or two off each target, and I started trying to, I got behind him and saw where he was shooting in relation to the target. And I feel like that he was right-eyed dominant. He's a left-handed shooter. Well, I've got a little test. I know several there are several different ways to do it. If you'll hold my gun, I'll show you the, the viewing audience. I always ask people to make a small hole with their hands and extend their arms out in front of their face. As they're looking at my face, I can tell which eye they're focusing with, and I tell them to bring their hands back to their face. Is it as obvious I'm right-eyed dominant? Mark was right-eyed dominant, but he was shooting left-handed. So when we got him to shooting, posing his right eye, he started getting on the targets. Uh, he was also kind of leaning backwards with his gun. Once we got him to leaning forward into his gun and placing the weight on his lead foot, he started nailing the targets. I knew he had good eye-hand coordination, but he just wasn't putting it together. So. I noticed that, and you really did a great job at that. Uh, let's go on and talk about some uh, in-the-field safety with a shotgun. Well, I feel like the only time a gun is really safe is when the action's open. A lot of people think that, oh, my gun's unloaded, but do you want to point it at you? Not a bit. Not really. So... If you uh, leave the action open, unless you're just in the field ready to shoot, then uh, everybody feels more comfortable with you being out there with them. Once you're in the field and the gun is loaded and all, I feel like the only safe way to carry the gun is up. People will go into my hunts and the dogs are pointed with their guns pointed down. They're pointing at my dogs and out of just sheer uh, excitement, they'll pull the trigger and it's too late if the dog's in line there. So if the gun's up, no harm done if the gun does right. a little prematurely. That's one thing I always ask for. And um, beyond that, just know where each other is. Uh, uh, don't shoot crisscross over each other's heads. Watch the dogs and uh, knock down some birds. Well, we had a great safe hunt this week. And, folks, if you want to come down and learn how to shoot the sporting clays, shoot you some good quail, 
Keith is a man to see. It's real convenient to Atlanta and to Birmingham and he's really patient with the people that don't know quite how to shoot so you novice people can come down here get on the sport and clay range have a good time and then get out there and shoot you some birds and really watch some beautiful dogs work thank you thanks a lot having you well folks that's about it for today's show another 30 minutes gone by and uh we hope you enjoyed today's show we hope we was able to introduce you to a a fellow that you know kind of was there when the um nascar circuit started you know, he was there when it was in its infancy and, uh, and up through the years. And, uh, you know, David and I had a real good time hunting with uh, Red Farmer and Mark Brenner the past week that we hunted with them. And this adventure to me is probably one of the best experiences I've been on. And I'll remember uh, the new friends and camaraderie uh, for the rest of my life. I consider it to be an honor to hunt with Red Farmer as well as all the other folks that I've met and been able to hunt with and just enjoy being around through my filming career. If you'd like to see this show, as well as others in our episode library, then go to our website at carolinaoutdoormagazine.com or visit our YouTube channel at The Outdoor Sportsman. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And this way here, folks, it'll keep you up with all the adventures that we go on. Every time uh, we do a show... We do an episode, we upload it to YouTube, and YouTube will notify you that we put a new show up. Well, it looks like this wraps up another week's program. Be sure to tune in next week when we'll have another outdoor adventure to talk about. So um, we'll catch you next week on Carolina Outdoor Magazine Radio. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and we'll catch you next week somewhere in the great outdoors when we do it all again. Thanks for tuning in.